Good morning. Welcome to the Park Church. My name is Matt. I am one of the pastors here on staff, and I'm excited to be able to speak with you this morning. Um, we, hope, we hope that you feel welcome this morning. Um, we hope that from, from the door greeters to the people who checked in, your kids, to like the coffee you got, uh, to what's said and communicated up front, um, across the board, we want you to be welcomed. Um, we want you to feel at home immediately. This place is for you. So, you know, we hope that you're comfortable here, uh, that you feel accepted, and not really because, like, we're particularly great welcoming people, although some of us are, um, but we want you to feel that welcome because we believe that's the way that God actually feels about you, that, that in Christ, God welcomes all of us to himself, and we hope that uh, on Sunday mornings, that's reflected to you, that that warmth, that hospitality, that, um, that acceptance, that affection, that love for you. That being said, is it okay if I deeply offend you? <laughs> deeply and meaningfully offend you? Um, if, not all of you, just three quarters of you. So three out of four of you. Uh, if you're new, or if, actually, no, not if you're new, but if you're not someone who considers themselves to be a believer in Jesus, or like have faith or a follower of Christ, we're really glad that you're here, and good news for you, you are exempt from this great offense. But for the rest of you, uh, I'm, unfortunately, um, the good news is, I don't know which three or four of you I'm going to offend, and the people around you won't know which three or four we're going to offend, so you could size up your neighbors and kind of see where you fit. Um, if I offend you so deeply that you want to get up and leave, or your heart hurts, um, just pretend you're the one of four that isn't being offended, and you'll, you'll be fine. Unfortunately, though, there's a good chance you're the three of four. This is a 75% chance. All right, you ready for the offense? Here it is. Also, this is not really me offending you. I just want to put out as many things as I can. It's not really me offending you. Um, it's really it's really Jesus who's going to offend you. So if you have a problem with this, don't email me. Don't email our elder board. Uh, take, it up, take it up with Jesus. He's always available. Um, all right. Last one. Here's the offense. When it comes to following Jesus, there's a good chance you're not actually following Jesus. That's pretty offensive. Yeah, he's out of here. Pete's, he's out of here. Like, there's a good chance that you're not following Jesus in any way that Jesus is actually meaning for you to follow him, that you're not following him, like, well. And um, if we want to soften that a little bit, it's actually, like, 50% of you aren't. And then, so that's, like, this side of the room. Sorry, guys. This side of the room, um, the other 50%, out of that 50%, 50% of you won't continue to follow him. And so only 25% are good to go. And it's just, like, the first few rows here. Um, that's pretty offensive. You might be sitting there saying to yourself, I've been a Christian. I've been following Jesus since before this guy was born. What is he talking about? You might feel like you want to leave, but it's a lit sanctuary and everyone knows that you're going to leave. So um, don't, yes, yeah, just hold on and don't leave. Um, I think you'll see where we're going with this. Um, <clears throat> here's one way to think about this, or one way to put it. Ask yourself this question. Is your faith bearing fruit? Is your faith bearing fruit? Do you know what I mean by that? Um, is your faith bearing fruit that's making a difference in your life and in the lives of the people around you? Um, 
think of faith like a tree, right? Trees grow up, trees mature, eventually trees bear fruit, apples, oranges, pears, whatever the case may be. If you were to think of your own faith like a tree, is there fruit on it? Is there fruit for other people to eat? Has it ever borne fruit? Has the tree that you once was a bountiful tree, has that tree gone barren? Are you bearing fruit? And um, what might this faith-filled, this faith-bearing tree look like? This fruit-bearing faith, what might that look like? Um, in the New Testament, there's a guy named Paul who wrote a bunch of letters, and he wrote one to the Galatians. And in that letter, he talks about this sort of thing, like the fruit of the Spirit. Like God's Spirit lives inside of us, grows us up, and out of that comes fruit. And here is some of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about. The first one is love. Is your faith producing love in your life? And I don't mean like, I love my wife, I love my family, I love my friends, that's great. Like, that's great, but that's easy to do. They love us back, we're supposed to do that. Faith helps you with that, but that's easy. The love that, uh, that the Spirit produces in us is this sort of love. It's love for the people, for the kind of person who you're not supposed to like, or for the person who you, in fact, don't like. For the person who stabbed you in the back or has, um, who has hurt you deeply. Um, for the person who is considered your enemy. Does your faith produce love for that person? Affection. Um, empathy. Self-sacrifice so that you actually think that what this person needs is more important than what I need. And I want what this person wants more than what I want, more than what I want what I want. Um, even if it's at my own expense, does your faith produce that sort of love? The second one is joy. Does your faith produce joy? And not the sort of joy that we feel when we get something that we want, not the sort of joy that we'll feel later when the eagles lose. Um, <laughs> I'm a Giants fan, so just a kind of a jealous, bitter, angry uh, Giants fan. Um, this is the joy I'm talking about. The joy that when life gets hard, when the you-know-what hits the fan, when the boulder that we're all pushing up the hill, you know that boulder? When we slip and fall and that boulder comes crashing and rolling over us and we are flattened, are we able, are you able to sit up and smile? Is your heart able to smile? Because deeper and more meaningful than the adversity that you're facing is the fact that God loves you and that Jesus Christ died for you and came to save you, and your life is in fact in his hands. And because of that, you're joyful even though you're facing the hardest thing. Is that what your faith is producing? The third one is peace. Now, the opposite of peace is not like war. The opposite of peace is like inner spiritual, like your soul is at peace. Is that what your faith is producing? I know a lot of us, a lot of us experience anxiety chronic anxiety. It's a, it's a thing in our culture. That, that feeling of fear, that feeling of dread, that feeling of worry of that which you might not even be able to put your finger on, but it's always there, and it's nagging at you, and it causes your heart to feel weird, and it causes your head to hurt, and your eyes to tear up, and it causes your nights to be sleepless. Uh, that unease, that worry, that what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen in the future, that unrest, all of that is in the past now. Because in place of that anxiety, 
God has given you peace that has just washed it away. You're so confident, you're so firm in what God has done for you. He is your rock, your fortress, your refuge. Nothing can separate you from his love. He is your peace, and so you have no anxiety anymore. Is that what your faith is producing? The fourth is patience. And let me tell you, at 2.30 in the morning, after an hour of trying to get our one-year-old back to sleep, this is like the third time I'm getting him back to sleep, my faith is producing no fruit that's good for anyone by way of patience. And there's nine of these fruit. We're not going to go through them all. Um, but if you want, take a look at the fifth chapter of Galatians. Take a look at that list and see how the fruit of your faith is matching up to the fruit that uh, Paul expects our faith to produce. And it's not just the fruit of the Spirit that we want our faith to give us. We want our faith to produce other things. We want our faith to produce meaning and purpose in life so that we're not just wandering, and so that life is not just, you know, wake, sleep, uh, wake, coffee, eat, work, eat, coffee, sleep, repeat, you know? That's not what our faith is meant to produce. We want our faith to produce belonging, acceptance, a feeling that we're a part of something, that people have my back, that God has your back, and that God is always with you. Is your faith producing that? We want our faith to produce hope, when things feel hopeless, when we can't see a way out. We want our faith to produce an unshakable security, an unshakable foundation, as we sang, an unshakable satisfaction. We want our faith to produce an impact on the world so that because of what we believe, the helpless people are finding help and the hopeless are finding hope and the hurting are finding healing and the lost are being found. And because of your faith, it's so bright and it's so shining like a lamp up on a stand. It's so luminous, it's so radiant. Your faith is so irresistible that people are falling over themselves, flocking to get what you've got. Is that what your faith is producing? If this sounds like hyperbole, it kind of is, but it's kind of not. If you had all that nailed down, you would be perfect. You would basically be Jesus. But the thing about it is, Jesus says that this is what we can expect. Jesus says that your faith is going to produce fruit. He says it can, and he says it will. One time he even says, uh, for anyone who believes in me, if you do the kind of things I do, you will do things that are even greater. Is that what your faith is producing? Bearing fruit is the purpose of a fruit tree, right? That's the purpose of a fruit tree. It's the purpose of faith. So the question must be asked, if our faith isn't bearing fruit, then how legitimate is our faith? If you're someone who's sure you're part of the three out of four and not the one out of four, you should be asking yourself the question, we all should, why isn't my tree bearing fruit? Why isn't my faith bearing fruit? And this is, this is a question that we're going to come back to again and again. And the basic assumption behind this series is that for trees to grow, mature, and bear fruit, they must have roots that go deep into the ground, that find nutrition, that find water, that provide stability to last through whatever storms come at you. 
so that your tree lasts through the cold season and through the scorching heat, the pounding storm. Fruit trees bear, uh, fruit-bearing trees, fruit-bearing faith require roots. That's, that's the theme of our series this morning. Finding a faith that is rooted, grounded in Jesus. And this isn't just our idea. We didn't get this idea from that video. This is something that that guy Paul, um, he wrote a lot of letters, and this is something he says in one of his letters. And look at what he says up there. He says, <clears throat> he's writing to a church just like us. He's saying, I pray that according to the riches of God's glory, God may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit. That's the fruit of the spirit type stuff. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. And he said the same kind of thing to another church, the church, uh, the Colossian church. He says it a different way. He says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted, built up, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. You can see what Paul is getting at here. Faith, rooted and grounded in love, in God's love, rooted, built up, established in the faith. He's saying, look, for your faith to bear fruit, you have to have roots that go deep into the ground of Jesus. Roots that could give you life, that sustain you, that are your foundation. That's what we're after in this series. If you were deeply offended before, look, what we want is for the one of four to turn into four of four. For those numbers not to work for our community here. And this wasn't just Paul's idea. Before him, it was Jesus' idea. Jesus talked about this, not, not like this, but he talked about it in a story, in what's called a parable. And it comes in Mark 4. That's the, um, the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Mark was a book that was written to talk about Jesus' life and his teaching and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> he talked about this in the form of a parable. Parables Jesus didn't invent parables, but he, he kind of made them famous. Um, parables are metaphors. They're stories that help illuminate something that's hard to put your finger on. Um, parables are poetry uh, rather than prose. Parables are, are stories when just facts and information and straight teaching aren't going to do. And so Jesus tells this parable, um, and this is sort of a strange parable. Strange, not because the parable is strange, but strange because Jesus takes the time to explain it after he tells it. Usually when Jesus tells a parable, um, it's kind of up to the listener, it's kind of up to you, uh, the hearer, to figure out what the heck he was talking about. But this one, this one was so foundational, so important, that he wanted uh, people to understand it, especially his followers, the people who were trying to follow him. He wanted them to understand it, so he explains it. And so the explanation of the parable is actually just as long as the parable itself. And we're going to look at both of them this morning. So let's read the parable. Uh, let me give you a little bit of context. Jesus is teaching people. He's on the side of a lake. So many people have flocked to him that it's too crowded. That's the way Jesus kind of is. And he had to get onto a boat and push offshore, and he taught from the boat. And uh, this, is what, this is what he had to... This was his parable. He said, listen... And that means, like, pay attention. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. <clears throat> Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. 
Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it out, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he said, let anyone with ears to hear listen. You notice, same sower, same seed, four soils, three of the four don't work out. You see that? In only one of the four soils does the farmer's seed achieve its goal, which the goal is fruit. When Jesus told this, his followers, his disciples didn't get it, so that makes us kind of feel good about that. He explains it, which makes my job a lot easier here. And so here is his explanation, and we'll go through this. This is what he says. He says, the sower sows the word. Now, um, when we think of sowing, we think of like buttons, we think of tears in our shirt. Um, This was a farmer. A farmer would walk through his field, throw seeds out, and expect crops to grow. Um, That was what sowing meant. They were all farmers back then. They would have known that. We don't really know that. Um, So the sower sows the seed. The seed is the word. Now, what's the word? The word, just in one sentence, the word is what God wants you to know. The word is what God wants to say to you. The word is what Jesus has to say. Um, the word is, what, is what's in Scripture. You've heard of Scripture, the Bible may be called God's word. That's what it is. Think about seed, though, for a second. A seed is, a, is, a, is just a small little thing, right? And there's life in that seed. If that seed gets planted, it disappears. And under the right conditions, out of that, a tree is born. A tree grows. Fruit is born. Listen, that's what it's like when we listen to what God has to say to us. It grows faith in you, and it bears fruit in you. Now, Jesus is going to walk us through the four soils. Here he goes. He says, these are the ones on the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Now, he's talking about people here. Um, The soil is people. Uh, These are people who the word, think about this, the word hits their ears, but it doesn't go in. Um, These are people who are sitting and who are listening, but who are not getting up and following. Um, And maybe that's you. Sitting, listening, but it's not going in. You're not getting up, you're not following. I I don't know why that would be for you. I don't know your story, but Jesus' story, I mean, his, his explanation of this dynamic, it goes like this. Uh, these seeds are falling on a path, which is a footpath. If you think about what happens when soil is walked on again and again and again and again, it gets compressed. It gets hardened by people walking on it. You don't need to be a farmer to realize that seed is not going to go into hard, compacted, compressed soil. It needs to go under the soil with water and air and all of that. Um, In this soil, the seed won't grow, won't take root, because, listen, it's been hardened by the impact of other people. And I wonder if for you, uh, your faith is not producing fruit like you hoped because of this. Maybe you're part of a family, or you're a part of a group of friends, or the place you work at, where if you were to express or share that you had a new faith, you would be laughed at. And so you've been hardened towards that possibility. Maybe you've been um, told that all of this God stuff is nonsense. 
Maybe you've watched too many History Channel specials where Jesus has like, you know, two wives and, or like he didn't really exist, all that sort of stuff. Maybe you've been convinced that the Bible is just a book of stories that doesn't actually do anything good. Maybe yours is more personal, though. Maybe someone who is close to you who's meant to represent God to you, maybe even the church that you were a part of, has cast so much doubt on the possibility of God's existence that it's like, that it's like you've been hardened to it. Soil like this, without being plowed up, simply cannot receive what God means to say. It can't grow a tree. It can't grow fruit. And maybe you sit there. Maybe you've been sitting there all your life. Nothing going in, no following, nothing growing. The second seed, these are the ones that are sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy, Jesus says. But they have no root and endure only for a while. Then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. If you've been a Christian for some time, if you've been around churches for some time, there's no doubt you have seen this. People falling away because of trouble. Now this scene was a pretty common scene in that era, um, just like it is today. The ground over there where Jesus was telling this, um, it was sort of rocky ground, where underneath it there was like thick rock and whatnot. And so what looked like a good field could have been just like, like a half an inch of soil with rock underneath it. Um, and so what would happen is it was hot during the day, cool at night. Seed would go into that thin soil and dew would form when it got cool and then hot again. Um, and water would go into it. A little seedling would sprout. And by the time the sun comes up and is in the heat of the day and it's scorching, that little sprout dies because it's been dried out. And this would happen this would really happen um, again and again and again. And I wonder if, uh, if you see yourself in the soil, or maybe you see people you know in that. Maybe you received the word with great joy. Maybe you were baptized here or elsewhere. Maybe you've been celebrated because of that. Maybe you received it with joy, and you should receive it with joy, because what God has to say to you is absolutely the most joyful thing there is. But the moment when trouble hits, you just drop your faith and run. The word up there uh, for only for a while. In Greek, it's, just, it's the word temporary. Um, when Martin Luther, like not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther, like 16th century reformer, nailing the things to the door, that guy, um, when he translated this word, uh, he translated it vetervendish. Vettervendish. Can we all say that? It's kind of fun. Three, two, one. Vettervendish. You know what that means? It means weather vanish. Think about that. When trouble comes, your faith is so rootless, so without foundation, so shallow that the slightest bit of breeze is going to blow your faith in a different direction. It's going to blow you away from where God is pointing you. That faith isn't going to bear any fruit. It needs root. It needs foundation. It needs a root to go deep down into the ground to withstand the storms of life, the tornadoes, the hurricanes, not to mention the little breezes that are going to do that. The scorching sun, the heat, can only be tolerated if there's roots that are connected to an underground source of water and life to sustain it, if that's something deep to hold on to. Are you 
someone for whom every bump in life, every trouble that comes makes you want to throw your faith out the window. Is your faith vettervendish, weathervanish? The third soil. And, among, and others are those sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the lure of wealth, the desire for other things come in and choke the word, and it yields nothing. These are the ones who hear the word, and look, the word takes root. It starts to grow. The results will be fruit if nothing comes along to stop it, but something always comes along to stop it. The thing that comes along is thorns. It's weeds that overgrow the area, choke out the sunlight, steal the water, take the nutrients. Next to our house, we have a fence and then a line of like big pine trees, like 20-foot pine trees to provide um, like insulation from like the road and whatnot. And we have weeds that are like vines that are growing along our fence. And over the last few years, they've jumped from the fence onto these pine trees. Uh, and over the last few years, we've noticed one by one, what was once a lush big pine tree has started to shrivel and is now like, in one case, a brown dead pine tree. And the one next to it got a little bit less green on it. It's a little more brown. It too is dying and we don't know how to stop it. Uh, look, when we allow weeds to grow up next to our faith, we risk our faith being choked out by these things. I bet you know what that is like. Jesus gives us some examples of this. So let's see if you see yourself in this. The first one is the cares of the world. And like a literal translation would be the anxieties of the age. What are the anxieties of our age? Will I have enough? Will my kids be okay? What about my health? What about my retirement? What does it mean if he doesn't get into the college he wanted? What does it mean if she marries the guy from the family I don't approve of? Is my house clean enough? Do I look good enough? Am I successful enough? Am I perceived by people who I want to think I'm successful? Is that working? Does my Facebook profile project enough about me? What about my Instagram story? The cares of the world. The lure of wealth. And we know what this is. We get tricked into thinking that money will save us. And it doesn't. Um, we in upper middle class MoCo, which... <laughs> I want to start that. Can we start talking about Monmouth County as MoCo? Can we agree to that? And if you're from Ocean County, you're OCO? All right. We're agreed. Um, upper middle class MoCo, uh, we are susceptible to this because we have so much money. We do. And we think we don't, but we think if we just got a little more, then we would be OK. There was a New York Times op-ed that came up on my Facebook feed the other day, um, and I didn't really read it, I don't really care, but the title of it said, Stop Pretending You're Not Rich. And I didn't read it, but the title tells enough. The desire for other things, things other than God things, the distractions in life, the things that we think will make us okay, but we know they won't. If you get the new phone, the car, the house, the shoes, the hairstyle, if you find the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the spouse that's going to fulfill your life. If you finally get the job that's going to like make you a success and plant your flag. You get behind a cause, a good cause, but that cause becomes more important than like the Jesus cause. These are, these are distractions that just 
risk choking out our life. And this isn't an exhaustive list either. There are others. And we've seen it. Um, conflict that is allowed to just go unaddressed, that gets buried. Uh, sin that goes unchecked and not turned from. Pride that causes us to be blind to our need and to our own failings. Faith in things rather than in God, what, what Scripture calls idolatry. For faith to be real and rooted and grounded faith, these weeds can kill it, and they can yield nothing, as Jesus puts it. <clears throat> Take an honest look into your life. Is that why yours is not bearing the fruit that you hoped it would? Finally, these are the ones sown on a good soil. They hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. The good soil, like the first three soils, listen, uh, this also hears the word, but rather than it being snatched away or withering or choked out, this word accepts it, grows the tree, bears the fruit. Jesus doesn't exactly give us a lot of detail as to what that looks like. Accept it and bear fruit. Not a lot for us to go on. Um, easier said than done. But that isn't the point of this parable. The point of this parable is not like, here's a quick fix to those three bad soils. The point is that even for those of us who are looking to hear what Jesus has to say, who are looking to follow Jesus, a lot can go wrong. Remember, all four of these soils hear the word. Three of these soils receive the word. Two of these soils grow a root and start to grow a plant. You know what that means? All four of these soils are sitting in churches on Sunday mornings across the world. Only one of these soils are bearing fruit. Seeds are delicate. Growing a plant is a delicate thing. Anyone who's tried to grow something knows this. Don't talk to me or my wife about it. We routinely kill things. <laughs> there's no quick fix for growing faith. Listen, like there's no quick fix from turning an apple seed into an apple. It takes time, patience, sun and rain, weather, pruning, protecting it from weeds and thorns. It takes, listen, it takes intentional cultivation of the soil. It takes work. And so again, I'll ask you, is your faith bearing fruit? There's only really two answers to this question. If it's yes, then your follow-up should be, how can I protect my tree so that it continues to grow fruit? If it's no, if you're part of the three out of four rather than the one out of four, and you're not okay with that, then I want you to take this challenge. The next step you can take, it's not as simple as like, don't care about money anymore, or stop being anxious. Like, we know that doesn't actually work, though those would be good to do. The challenge, if your faith is not producing fruit, the challenge is simply to commit to working on it. To extend the metaphor, to commit to cultivating the soil of your faith. And here's where this metaphor fails. Soil is inanimate. Soil has no choice in the matter. Soil can't make itself into another type of soil. Soil doesn't have a choice but we do. Our work, our works isn't the thing that saves us finally, but that doesn't mean that we're not called to work on our faith. Commit to cultivating the soil of your faith. 
over the course, over the course of this series. And this is, this is what Rooted is all about. Cultivating the, faith, the, the, the soil of our faith so that the seed can grow and produce roots that will grow down into rich, soft, willing soil so that your faith might produce again or might produce for the first time. Over the course of the next nine weeks, we're going to ask big questions, the kind of questions that have the potential to make our soil go one way or the other. Questions like, who is God anyway? What's the deal with all of this suffering? How do I connect with the purpose in my life? Uh, Church can be messy. What's the point? So for some of you, your next step might simply be coming back next Sunday and the Sunday after that and addressing those nine questions with us. For some of you, and we've already said this, the next step is to pick up one of those Bible reading, you're the Bible cards, and go home and read the Bible and let his words sink into you. The next step for some of you, and for a lot of us, is to be part of a group like Matt talked about who's going through this rooted material. We want that to be everyone's next step because we believe that's where this life change is going to happen. So if you haven't signed up yet, today's the day to do it. Rearrange your schedule to get into it. Uh, Uncommit from the things you've committed to. Let us know how we can help you get there. As part of Rooted, um, you're going to address all of the issues in those three bad soils. So if you felt things come up for you, part of Rooted, you're going you're to look at those things. Because if your faith is not bearing the fruit that you want it to, or that you hoped it would, or that you imagined Jesus wants for you, now's the time to cultivate that soil. Now's the time to start digging around it, to let water in, to let air in, to let seed in, to start putting fertilizer on it. Now's the time to weed your garden. Because if not, the threat remains that you will be part of the three rather than the one, right? That's not what Jesus wants for you. That's not what we want for you. We want the one of four to turn to four of four, to see faith turned into real action, to turn faith into growing fruit, to see your faith turned into a tree that's so large that birds can make nests in its branches, which is to borrow the language from another parable. We want to see your faith turned into fruit. We want for you, listen, we want for you for love to be born out of out of the spirit in you so that you do love your enemies. We want for you, um, for your heart to smile even when the adversity is piling up. We want for you, for anxiety to be a thing of the past. We want that not just for our sake and not just for your sake, but we want that for the sake of the world around us. Because think about fruit for a second. What's the purpose of fruit? Fruit is to be eaten and then it passes through your digestive system and then comes out the other side into the ground? Or fruit falls to the ground? Either way, the purpose of fruit is for seed to find soil and to bear new fruit. We want this for the sake of the world because it's through your faith, through the seed that comes out of your tree, that new trees are going to be planted. That people of MoCo are going to come to know and follow Jesus. Um, that's, what, that's what we want to see here. That's the fruit of a faith that's rooted in Jesus. It's more trees planted and growing, more people following, more light where there was just darkness before. And listen, it starts with you, with your soil. We as the church, whoever we is, I don't know what I'm doing right now. We as the church can only do so much. It starts with you and your 
soil. That's what we're asking you to be a part of. That's what we're asking you to commit to. It's why we're uh, imploring you to do this, to grow your tree, to bear fruit with us. And when we do, listen, God is surely able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we could ask or imagine. So will you work to cultivating the soil of your faith with us? Come back, come back next week. Join a group. Hopefully, I didn't offend you too much. Um, or rather, hopefully I offended you just enough. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the way that you teach us. We thank you for the way that you want your word to be implanted in our hearts, our minds, our souls, to grow inside of us and out of us uh, a, a fruit-bearing faith. That's not only good for us, and it is good for us, but that's good for the world around us so that the hungry around us have fruit to eat, so that new seeds of faith can be planted throughout this county, throughout this area. And so we pray for all of us, Lord, no matter which of the soils we find ourselves in. We pray that you would put it on our hearts to make us people who, who are actively cultivating the soil of our faith, so that your seed can take root and your seed can grow. Lord, if there are obstacles to it, we pray that you would take away those obstacles and help us to, to take away those obstacles ourselves. If we've, been, if we've been too hardened by other people, Lord, help us to ignore them and to just soften our hearts. Lord, if the troubles are too much for us, that they don't have time for a root to grow down, Lord, make it so that we can grow roots. Break up the rocks underneath us so that we can find root. Lord, if we are people whose faith is producing fruit and is growing and is active, we pray that you would help us through this series um, to protect our tree, to figure out how to keep it going, to figure out how to keep growing, to figure out how to plant new trees, Lord. God, we pray that your spirit would move through us and in us to bear fruit more than we could ever ask or imagine. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and our Savior. Amen.